Hello and welcome to Things I'm Not. 10 audio stories about the cliches, prejudices and general microaggressions migrant women face every day. Each story is written and performed by an artist who's migrated to the UK from a different country. Today's story is... Strategy of Rupture by Yasmin Odishograwi I grew up with the myth that men were more sexual than women. And I haven't stopped masturbating since I was six. That's decades' worth. It's the only daily practice I've committed to, aside from meditation. A distant second. I am a hairy, lascivious beast. A few years ago, I decided to go on a journey. It was time to fall in love with my hunchbacked, blistered, toothless, hairy beasts, to caress them, hold them, to finally love all of me. This is prayer in its purest form. To give oneself permission to express desire unbound, we learn and grow through these dark, wet, urine-scented back streets, alleys of ourself. It sounds frightening, I know. Dangerously uncomfortable. We can't see very well in the dark, and we have learned to trust our eyes above all other senses. But I'd spend a whole decade in total darkness gasping for air, for light. These demons of mine paid no heed to my suffering, nor rent. They squatted my mind, my body, through raves, caused havoc. And all I could do was scream on mute and diligently rage against the cage that separated us. This is the ultimate act of compassion and our bravest encounter, to be and bear witness to our being. Just like the underground tunnels of a city reveal its deepest connections and structure, so does a walk inside our desires. Even the foul-smelling waste is part of our story. Except we choose to bury it, make it invisible. It's why I came here in the first place. I needed to become invisible. Concealed from vision, I needed to run, not from anyone in particular or anything, just from everyone and everything, familiar and violent, familiarly violent. I used up every bit of privilege credit I had to get here. I arrived on a plane. I waited respectfully at the other queue at Manchester International Airport. Clearly out of use. Queue for one? The EU-UK line was packed with people. Their looks filled me with a light feeling of shame. An elderly man eventually wobbled over. He looked confused. Clearly he couldn't detect my otherness. One look at my passport and, Ah! You're an alien! Surely alien doesn't mean Martian. Or does it? I was about six years old when I started to learn English. Around the time I started masturbating. I was highly fluent in both. The Northerners were the first UK tribe I encountered. It took about five days to decipher what people were saying. All right, love, what's your name? Yes, mean. As in, yes, I am mean. 
These were tedious and slow conversations. My girlfriend at the time had to introduce herself as mad with an extra A. We had to break down our names in this new place, pound them into fine powder, add a bit of water, stir and serve. It grew tiring after some time. So I gave up. Years went by before I took notice of the rage filling up my lungs of the absolute and sheer laziness of it all. It's hard to feel legitimate to carve out a space for yourself as an alien. I reverted to reminding people, yes, I am mean. Yes, mean. At what point do you go from alien to refugee to migrant to indefinite leave to remainee to chiching bang bang VIP? London was never home. It was my life scaffolding where I unraveled myself with sheer determination and will. For years, my gaze was fixated at what I had run from, only to realize that I had run straight into the belly of the beast. The beast that pillaged and plundered the cultures and societies I came from, their histories, their stories, their fossils, their resources, devoured and ravished them. We are also responsible. Of course we are. But responsibility cannot be haphazardly distributed. It is directly proportionate to power. The more power you have, the more responsibility. Simple formula, but one that bears truth. Simple formulas are easy to misuse because they are effective. They make complex realities digestible. Take this, for example, devised by none other than UK and co. Austerity equals limited resources plus too many people. Limited resources equals resources extracted from faraway places with sweat, blood and tears, mostly not ours, and brought here to create a life of peace and prosperity. Too many people equals non-British, non-European, immigrants, migrants, refugees, those whose blood, sweat, tears and homes we have compromised, usually means the Eastern European shade of white and all hues of brown and black. The fact is, too many people are coming on the shifty dinghies with the shifty stories to take away our finite and limited resources. You know what reminded me of UK's limited resources? France, pulling up the drawbridge and threatening the broccoli supply. Let's not talk about cod. The EU banning flights. And just like that, overnight, the UK turned into Alcatraz. In the ten years I've been here, it never felt more like home. You know, it was my first feeling when I woke up the next morning. Panic. The same panic I woke up to in December 1998. They had all left. Those who could leave. Those who had the passports and the means to leave. Those who could cross the threshold into safety. I'd been nowhere else but here, all my life. What lay beyond could have been Narnia, as far as I was concerned. There was no other place but here, and we had to endure it. The United Nations jeeps outside the UN head office down the street were gone. It was imminent. The theater of war holds supreme suspense keeps you in a hushed, torturous wait before. Stand by, lights, action! Baba Habibi, it's for the old mother, yalla, type, sir, yalla, Baba, yalla, Habibi, yalla. Yasmin, it's for the old Jnania, Baba, yalla, Habibi, yalla, Baba, ta'al, Gurfi, psira, yalla, Baba, yalla. Turn off the garden fairy lights as if they were viable targets for cruise missiles. 
as if this simple act would make us invisible. This is BBC Live. Ma'akum Qanat al-Jazeera. This is CNN International Live from Baghdad. And we were live, inside the heart of the action. We watched the reporter watch the missile fall. We were in my father's bedroom, glued to the TV. We saw the missile explode on TV. Three seconds later, we heard it. A beastly roar that reverberated through our every cell. It shocked and awed us. A fear of such magnanimity can never be transcribed. The lesson. Light travels faster than sound. This show was brought to you by the United Kingdom of Great Britain and the United States of America. It must have been around 2007, around four years after the U.S.-U.K. invasion of Iraq and two years after the King's Cross attack, and only a few months since I'd left Lebanon, still burning from Israel's bombings. Here it was, 6.30 p.m., waiting on the platform at Acton Town, direction east. Trains usually take a long time to arrive. I spotted a slim, well-dressed, 30-ish, most likely South Asian man, sporting a beard that screamed Bin Laden. This incident obviously predates the hipster beard movement, which I cannot thank enough for helping, if not dispel, certainly confuse the long beard jihadist cliché. There is an army of bearded hipsters now. Lush had to manufacture products to care for those face bushes. But in 2007, the narrative was going strong. Bin Laden was still on the run, a great American fugitive blockbuster. So well-crafted and pervade, even I had ingested the story whole. The man standing suspiciously on the platform, although I can't tell you for the life of me what was suspicious about him, was definitely holding a briefcase. Or was it a sports bag? I was watching him discreetly, looking for signs deciding whether I was going to get on that train or not. My insides were at war, more than usual. Am I going to die? Is it all going to be over right here? Yes, I mean, don't be ridiculous. But what if you're just being paranoid? <laughs> what then? You are brainwashed, but it could be true. The battle was real. I had survived four and a half wars. I was not going to die on the Piccadilly line one dull evening in London. The train arrived. I vaguely remember getting on. 
the lesson. Always watch what you eat, not only the calories, but the processed, ready-made truths. I haven't stopped eating today. Or as my mother used to say, Bless her. <laughs> she was always concerned about my excessive jaw activity. I was always a voracious eater. I eat my emotions, of course I do. But there's plenty of them to go around. Thankfully, I had a field marshal for a mother. She instilled in me the power of discipline and self-control and a generous dollop of self-hate. It's been over 10 years since I've been in the UK and only one month since I've been made citizen, freshly naturalized from refugee to VIP. What a fucking journey. It sure as hell was about to kill me. You'd think that crossing seas and rubber dinghies is the closest thing to death you could get to as a refugee. But administrative procedures have a way of killing you quietly and politely. Some survive, others implode or explode. In case you're still wondering, I leave you on this note. I'm the birth child of extremes, the daughter of chaos, a love extremist, a petrol bomb, to put it lightly, loyal to love. So loyal, I burn all the hate I've been fed. Things I'm Not is a podcast by Legal Aliens Theatre. If today's story has moved you, amused you, provoked you, we would love to hear from you. Please send us your creative responses, whether it's another piece of audio or a video or a photo or a poem or even a drawing by going to www.thingsiamnot.com slash responses. You'll get the chance to be featured in our digital gallery. You can also join the conversation on Instagram at Legal Aliens Theatre or on Twitter and Facebook at Legal Aliens ITC. Thank you for listening. See you soon.